the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the peace. <laughs> Yes, sir. It's all eyes on Cleveland. I am your host, Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos doing his thing behind the glass, and we are excited to bring you another edition of the show. Tonight, we have special guest Andy Baskin of Baskin and Phelps on 92.3 The Fan. He will join us to discuss what just happened on Sunday. Plus, we'll take a look as we look to move on and onward and upward. That's right, onward and upward. Thursday night football, 6,000 streaming fans against the Cincinnati Bengals. It's time to get right on Thursday night. It's another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. You start getting excited. Oh yeah, we're back. In full effect, all eyes on Cleveland. I'm Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos, and as I mentioned, our guest tonight is Andy Baskin of 92.3 The Fan. He'll join us shortly for a tremendous interview, as always. But first, we must talk this one out. We've got to get the feelings out. We've got to Take a step back and look at this thing for what it is. I must admit, I am mad as hell. Now, many of you are mad as hell. We don't have time to be mad as hell for that long, though, because Thursday night football is right around the corner, and I've got news for you. This is not a layup against the Bengals. They should have won their game. Joe Burrow is ready already. And doing things that Baker Mayfield is struggling to do. Go ahead and kill that, Mike. Let's talk about it. Let's let's get through this here. All Eyes on Cleveland, you can find that where all popular podcasts are found. So wherever you listen to your podcast, All Eyes on Cleveland is there. Go check it out. We are sponsored tonight by Thrive Fantasy App, a place where you can go play fantasy, uh, sports, basketball, football, golf, all of them, any of them you want. But it's prop bets, Don't not lineups. Don't let the pros take over entering 300 lineups and two different contests and clean up no way not a thrive fantasy app you just go there you enter the promo code eyes first time you enter twenty dollars they'll give you a free twenty dollar on twenty dollars on top of it uh with your first deposit download thrive fantasy app on the app store or play store by visiting www.thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today yeah it's all prop bets 10 give you 10 15 options you pick 10 you get them right the more of a uh 
a uh, underdog pick it is or odds off fa- odds on favorite or odds off favorite the more points you get and you will uh gain your uh points by each prop bet victory that you take you get to pick the ones that you want out of the 15 maybe you pick 10 out of 10 you got to pick five that's how it works and you clean up, you win. That's how you win money. No more worrying about. I mean, you know, when you when you play DraftKings and FanDuel, things in the pros enter multi, multi, multi entry into these things. So like they just fire off an optimizer and it lays out 150 different iterations of a lineup for NBA slate tonight. Say right, and they fire that thing and they have you know. Such a better chance of winning, you know. And first of all, you have to have access to that kind of stuff, A. And then B, you have to have the money to put down for that. So if somebody comes along and they want to play $5, they're playing a $5 one lineup against somebody that just entered 150 different lineups that maybe, you know, change two players per lineup. I mean, their chances of winning is so much more. None of that crap. None of it. Thrive Fantasy app, that's where it's at. That's where you got to check it out. And that's our sponsor. So Thrive Fantasy app, download it and use the promo code EYES as in all eyes on Cleveland. All eyes were on the Cleveland Browns against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, and it was not pretty. Andy Basket will join us shortly. Let's start where we should start here, okay? Baker Mayfield is struggling. He's still struggling. It's evident. It's clear to see. He's not accurate most of the time. He was inaccurate on Sunday. And it's ball placement. At times, he was wildly inaccurate, like on the out to Hodge that he just threw. 15 yards over his head and out of bounds. I don't know what's going on there. But, like, I think of two plays to Beckham that should have been catches, but the ball is, like, a foot behind him. And it's not something that a lot of people, like, at first glance would notice. But when they show the replay, clearly he's slowing down to catch the ball. The defender comes across, makes contact, and, it, and hits it out hits it out of his hands, Right. Twice on, on uh, a play where he's coming down the, uh, across the middle, and one particularly where he's it's a seam throw, which Baker is usually like that's where he's at his best, right? Throwing down the seams, and he's got him, and in ba- uh, Odell's working around his defender into the seam, and he leaves it behind him. And the ball gets tipped up in the air, if you remember the play, and Odell tries to bat at it, and he misses it. But he's got the whole entire middle of the field to throw the football, and he doesn't throw it there. He throws it behind, and it gets tipped up in the air. And it's those things. It's There's a lot of instances like that. There's many in this game where his inaccuracy of just ball placement is off. He's off. He's out of sync. They, they're putting him under under center. Uh, in three-step drops, not a lot of stuff that he's done. He's not done that in his career. He's uncomfortable doing that. It's clear because he, you know, he's pump faking. He's uh, he's getting happy feet. He's jumping around the pocket. When you see that stuff, you can tell clearly he's not he's not clear on what he's supposed to do with the ball, and he's not comfortable. Um, they confused him with their defenses. 
they brought pressure from different places. They used uh, different uh, looks at the at the front. The the interception he threw, fire zone where you know you bring pressure from one area and you drop somebody from another area into those zones that are vacated, and he fell right into the trap and threw it right into that zone. Ball tipped up in the air, interception. Uh, but he it's timing because if he gets rid of the ball first before the guy can get there. If he recognizes it right away, it's a completion. He does that other times in the game, too, where there's clearly an open receiver, but he pumps, and then he throws it, and then it's batted down, or then the cornerback's there because he's already seen where he's going with the football. He's staring people down. He's not getting off his first read He's not there yet with this offense, A. And B, it's a lot of what we saw last year, which is scary. Now, I am a proponent of patience with Baker Mayfield. That is a really good football team, the Baltimore Ravens are. Okay? So I am a proponent of patience with Baker. I want to see him grow in this offense. I want to see what he can do. It's a little bit disappointed, and a lot of it was the game, uh, the way the game took form. Okay, so, you know, the Browns get behind and a lot of what they wanted to probably do went out the window because you get desperate and you start, you know, five wide looks with Chubb lining up as that as the farthest out outside receiver. Nobody in the backfield is not what I envisioned with Kevin Stefanski, but that's what we saw multiple times. And that's not that can't be what they're trying to do. Let's talk about Odell Beckham Jr. So Baker Baker is out of rhythm. He's out of sync. He was inaccurate. He's not seeing the field well. He's uncomfortable. You can see also that his footwork isn't where it's supposed to be. Uh, he's got the left foot forward footwork that um, the uh, offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pell, is, you know, got him working on over the summer. But you could see at times... He's he's getting caught up in that. It looks like he's thinking about it, right? He, it's like he's backing up, step, and then he kind of hops on the foot, and then he gets to the other foot, and his weight's not shifting properly, and it just doesn't look right yet. And not every time, but you can see it at times where he's. it's like he's thinking about it. And let's be honest, the last thing that he needs to be thinking about right now is his footwork. Like, he needs to be – We need. they need to be trying to get him in a natural – Progression where he feels good in the pocket, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, five, cock, release, boom, you know, or if one, two, three, four, five, off that read, off that read, like, like deep to short reads, right? Um, and the answers are there. The answers were there against Baltimore. He couldn't find them. So let's, let's give that some time. The inaccuracy is what worries me the most. I'll be honest, okay? I'm a proponent of patience with Baker because I would like to see they've invested. Browns have invested too much in him to bail at this point. A lot of people are ready to run him out of town. You can't do it yet, okay? Let's see. We've seen how good he can be. The arm talent is there, no question. You see the arm talent yesterday or Sunday, pardon me. I'm still living in, in that moment. Um it's not a question of arm talent. 
it's just a, what has changed what he's lost he's he's seeing ghosts he's dancing around he's he's bailing early there are times that he you know he can find a place in the pocket where he's comfortable and he makes a really good throw few and far between on sunday but this offense didn't really get a chance in my opinion to do what i thought they were going to do with it i have a lot of blame I have faith in Kevin Stefanski, but I'm not really sure what that was. I'll give it friend to show. Jonathan Peterlin put it best. What what in the what in the Freddy Kitchens was that? Right, that was not what I expected to see. Run game looked good. They couldn't stay in a run game. Couldn't keep running the ball because of the way the game went. Let's be honest, though that there were times where they could have run the ball, uh, maybe fourth and two after the Odell drop while you're kicking a field goal there. I'm not really sure. I, I screamed at the TV. I wish they would have gone for it there. Um, kicker's gone. Kicker got fired. Cody Park is your kicker now. But, but I'm going to stay on topic here. So Baker, I, I'm a propo- proponent of patience. I think that Stefanski should dumb it down further. Dumb it down further. Baby steps. Baby steps. Let's work our way back to that stuff, but dumb it down even further. Scheme him open some easy throws early and make him to Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm going to get off of Baker now. You've heard my thoughts. It's scary. Baker's scaring me. I would like to see the Browns see this through with him, but... He's scaring me with the inaccuracy. It's not even the the cerebral stuff, which he's lost. But I think that'll come to him at some point. But that combined with the inaccuracy, nothing is right, and the whole offense is off because of it. Let's see what happens on Thursday. Let's see what corrections Stefanski makes, because I wasn't really impressed with his game plan either. I thought we'd see some different stuff, and I didn't really see what I thought we'd see from him. So let's see what he does on Thursday, okay? That was a really good football team. I'm going to keep saying that too because they were they are they're a damn good football team. And if you had power rankings right now, and and we don't know because it was week one, and the Chiefs played the Texans and they played us, and but Lamar freaking Jackson carved us up, throwing dimes. I'll get to the defense in a minute. Odell Beckham Jr. is you guys are trying to run him out of town. I asked the question today on Twitter. Because I see the body language. I see I see what you're talking about, and it pisses me off, too. I see it. The pouting. The freaking entire sidelines was razzing him, screaming at him. Humphreys was in his head. He, he had no... He was just not... And he went over the sideline. He was pouting. He took himself out of the game a couple times. You can see him muttering words under his breath, and he's just pissed off. But I'm pissed too. So, I mean, I don't know whether to blame him. I mean, Jarvis Landry is a soldier, and he's the heart of this team, and he he will go out there, and he's going to run block, and he's going to play his ass off every single play of that game. Beckham is a different dude. 
Is that okay with you? I don't know. I, I, I'm not decided. I can't decide on this because it pisses me off. Like, I'm, my dad's a football coach. My brother's a football coach. I've got that old school football coach kind of mentality about me. Like, the pouting on the field shit, I don't, I hate it. I hate it. But at the same time, they're not using him right. Get, I'd just like to see him, get him, scheme him open, get him involved in the game. And use him as a weapon. I mean, shit, Baker, he, the times he was open, you missed him. And there are other times that he's open and he's not even looking at him. So, I'm not ready. Don't run him out of town yet. Yes, it pisses me off. I hate the body language. I hate it so much. Okay? He shouldn't be doing that shit. And it pisses me off. The prima donna shit. And... It's just, but that's not what's throwing the offense out of rhythm. Let's be clear. Odell isn't a problem. He's not causing the offense to look like that. It's Baker Mayfield and Stefanski that caused the offense to look like that. Not even Stefanski. It's just lack of execution. But really, until Baker is in a rhythm and accurate and clear-minded on where he's going with his reads because he can't get off one side of the field. Let's be honest. He can't get off one side of the field to get to the answer on the other side of the field. Until that happens, it doesn't matter what Odell does. Okay? He can bail him out every once in a while with a great catch, but the pouting doesn't help. I hate it. I'm with you. Let's not run him out of town yet. Okay? Let's be cool. All right? Unless there's something going on behind closed doors, which I don't doubt because he looked, he was visibly upset and frustrated on the field and it pissed me off. He should be upset and frustrated, but he can't show it like that. Okay. I badly want Odell Beckham Jr. to do well in Cleveland. I badly want him to do well in Cleveland. I'm not against him. I'm for Odell. Because he's for Cleveland right now. He has embraced it. But when shit goes like that, that's what he's going to do. You can't let it get that bad. You can't let it get that bad. Dumb it down. Get in the ball early. Get some open looks early in the game for Baker. Where was the play action? I, I know Kirk Cousins did all the three-step drop stuff, but that doesn't look right with Baker. He's he's not as tall as Kirk. He Maybe you, I just would like to see him in the shotgun more. I know that takes away a little bit from what they want to do run-wise. Put him in the pistol then. There's, a, there's other options. The ball's batted down on the line of scrimmage. You've got it. I don't. I don't know. Take him taking the ball under center. I don't know if that's right. They need to rethink some of this stuff. But this is what comes when there's no preseason, right? This is part of it. So really good football team. No preseason. Baker is still struggling visibly. I'm not. There's no escape there. But I want to. I, I want to be patient and see it out. The the inaccuracy is crazy. Odell pouting. Unexcusable. I hate it. I hate it. But. It shouldn't be that bad. It shouldn't have been as bad as it was Sunday. So don't run him out of town yet. Because it's not his fault the offense isn't working. 
He's running routes. He's trying to get open. He's trying to make catches. He's still playing hard. So on one hand, yes, it pisses me off the pouting and the old school football coach in me. I'm not a coach. My dad and my brother, but it kind of rubs their, you know, that persona rubs off on you. It pisses you off to see that. You hate to see that crap from a player. But at the same time, He's still playing hard. He's still running his routes. He's still an elite athlete. You got to find a way to get him the ball early. You got to get him in the game. It was ugly. It's ugly Sunday. Defensive side of the ball. Andrew Sandejo was awful. Not only was he bad on defense, and nowhere near anybody that dominated him up and down. As he was on the field. But he was also got tossed off a block on the punt. I mean, the the, the fake punt might have worked if if Sandejo I don't know what he was doing if he was coming up to he looked like he was coming up to the guy to tango with him, like he was gonna gonna ask him for a dance. The guy threw him right out of the way. Of course the play didn't work. A gutsy play call. I don't know. I don't know if I would have called it on my first punt attempt, but <laughs> either way, that is that. Sendejo is garbage. You got to get him off the field. I, I you got to put Harrison out there. I'm, I'm sorry, you got to. Anything's better than what Sendejo did. He got toasted all over the freaking field. Now Lamar Jackson was spectacular. Let's give him. Let's give it up to him. Come on, he was spectacular. He was throwing dimes. He carved us up. The defense looked terrible. It was okay against the run. But where was Miles Garrett? Ogunjobi was fantastic. Okay? He looked great. Jordan Elliott was the number sixth ranked. Couple positives here. Number, Jordan Elliott was the number sixth ranked rookie on PFF's top 10 rookies with a grade of 76.4 PFF. Sixth ranked rookie in all the NFL, Jordan Elliott, on 26 snaps. Um, to Tavier Thomas is a special teams player that they put out on the field. I, I don't know what happened there with MJ Stewart. He was supposedly healthy, or he wasn't on the injury report, but he didn't play. Um, uh, Tavier Thomas saw all the time, and he's not good enough to play in the slot. He got smoked all over the field. So did Sendejo. Harrison's got to be in there. You you got to make some kind of a roster move or get somebody else in there for Tavier Thomas. Whether it's MJ Stewart, I don't know. He's slow. He's short and slow too, but he's better than than Tavier Thomas. Okay. Um, they got to find something to do there. Maybe even a roster move. But until Kevin Johnson's back, you have to use whatever whatever healthy corners you have. They should be on the field. There's no way Tavier Thomas should be on the field. Inside, outside, whatever. Work it out. Work it out. Now, the All-22 hasn't been released yet for whatever God knows reason, so I really wanted to look at the defense. I really did want to look at the defense of the All-22 and see what they were in a lot of these times. Who was where, what was missed. But let's be real. They got carved up. And the front four was okay, but 
They got carved up in the pass game. And Lamar didn't miss anything. He was perfect, basically, all day. So, you know. Now, they did the opposite of what I wrote in my article. They did the opposite of it. And I talked to me and Zagura had a back and forth on Twitter the night before the game, just talking about it. But he said, you know, he expected them to be in base all day. Damn, he was right. They were in base all day. Why? I don't know, because there are stark numbers that I laid out that this this higher, the success rate of the plays with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens goes down shockingly the more defensive backs you put on the field. All the way back to that Chargers game where they had seven on the field for most of the game. They had seven DBs, six DBs on the field most of the game. The more defensive backs go on the field from four to five, from five to six, from six to seven, the success rate of the Ravens offense goes down, 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 down. So why you sit in base all day against them, I'm not really sure. I think it's to stop the run game, which they did successfully and they made him throw it, if that was their game plan, it worked, but he was better than anybody that we had on defense. So that's that. Got to get a better look at that. We'll see it against Cincinnati. That's how I feel. Easy on Odell. Baker's struggling. Patience. New offense. Four coaches, four coordinators, three years. The kid is trying to work it out. He's not there cerebrally. I don't know what's going on with the the uh, accuracy. That is what bothers me deep, deep down. Because I think he'll get there mentally. But deep down, what the hell is going on with the accuracy? Him not being able to get off reads and find the answers is bothersome. But not as bothersome as him just not being able to put the ball where it needs to be. The majority of the time. That leads to Bodell's frustration. I hate the way he expresses it on the field, but I'm not ready to run him out of town. It's not his fault this is happening. And everybody wants to put the blame on him, but it's not his fault. Do I wish they were all soldiers like Chubb and Landry? Absolutely. Odell's not like that. A little more fragile mentally, I think. But certainly it was shown by the way that they hounded him. The sideline of the Ravens absolutely just hounded him all day. Yelling every time the ball was thrown his way. Every time the ball hit the ground. Clearly frustrated. Took himself out of the game. Now, injuries. We're, we're not getting a clear, really, look at what's going on with the injury thing. I don't know what's going to happen with um, Wills. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Conklin. And certainly it doesn't look good for Jacob Phillips. But we didn't get any clear answers on any of this from Stefanski even today. So we don't really know. They got guys on the practice squad. I don't know. Anybody see Anton Antoine Winfield uh, play like a freaking perfect game? The guy that I wanted us to take. And I know Delpit got hurt, whatever, and that doesn't matter. But I was banging the table for Winfield Jr. All freaking draft. Just, just 
if you remember, just come on, just take him, take him, take him, take him. I love this game. I love this guy's game. Flying around the field making plays out there on Sunday. Incredibly frustrating. It was an incredibly frustrating Sunday. It was an incredibly frustrating weekend. Uh, let's be real. The, the, the Bengals are going to – I mean, Joe Burrow could beat us on Thursday night. This needs to be a quick turnaround. We'll see what Stavansky said. He's got to – you know, we got to identify the corrections and fix them. Well, that's what Freddie said. That's what every coach says, right? Let's see what he does this week, okay? That's a really good football team. Let's see how Baker looks. Let's see what comes along here. It, it's a rhythm thing. It's a it's a togetherness thing. It's a it's the first time they played a game together, right? Now, clear weaknesses. Sandejo, Tavier Thomas can't be on the field. Baker got to be more accurate. And, and and cerebrally, he's not there. He's got to get to his reads now. That's not going to happen on Thursday night. He's not all of a sudden going to become a savant and know what it's not just going to click overnight, right? But part of that is on Stefanski. Run, run, run. You know, run on first down. Run on second down. Get the third and manageable. Scheme up a throw to Hooper. Where was that stuff, right? Play action to Hooper. He's wide open. First down. You know, where where was that stuff at? Like that, the run game was there, but the play action to get guys open just it just wasn't there. And when it what were there, guys were there. I shouldn't say it wasn't there. It just he didn't he wasn't in sync, and he didn't see it, and he didn't make it happen. Let's see what happens on Thursday night. We've got a fantastic guest tonight. We'll talk to him about a lot of this. Okay. Andy Baskin, 92.3, the fan, uh, is going to join us here momentarily. And um, I, I think that uh, uh, we'll get to, through some of this game and we'll get on to the Bengals too. Uh, Joe Burrow was impressive. I mean, they should have won that game. A.J. Green with the push-off push off, pardon me, call uh, in the end zone. That's heartbreaking for Bengals fans. Steelers... Uh, Right, you know, comments on the Steelers real quick. Watch the game, most of the game uh, yesterday night, Monday night. Roethlisberger looked good, right? And, the, and of course, the, I mean, the freaking Steelers defense looks amazing, right? But Roethlisberger looked good, but he looked... Uh, is it? Am I crazy or is his elbow still bothering him? He's got it wrapped on the sideline. There was a point at that game I thought that uh, Rudolph was coming in the game. They showed him on the sideline. He had his ball cap on. He had it wrapped up, the same elbow he had surgery on, and Rudolph was throwing with Juju. Hmm. Then he took off his hat came back on the field. It was strange. Kind of a weird thing there. Something I saw. Something to keep an eye on. Just notate it, you know. Let's get to the interview, folks. The one and only, he is well-known. He worked at Channel 5. He was the man there for Sports Forever. He's uh, on Baskin and Phelps every uh, weekday at 92.3 The Fan. It's Andy Baskin. Let's bring him on. And we are thrilled to welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland uh, tonight a very special guest uh, from... Baskin and Phelps at 92.3 The Fan CBS Radio, the one and only Andy Baskin. How are we doing tonight, Andy? 
I am doing great, and it's great to talk to you again. Absolutely. Uh, excited to have you on the show. Big fan uh, of yours, and uh, uh, so this is great. Um, not so great was uh, what occurred on Sunday as the uh, Browns uh, uh, took a rather devastating loss to the uh, uh, at the hands of the Ravens. Um with some time, you know, to digest it now, uh, you know, the first 24 hours is filled with a lot of anger and <laughs> overreaction, yeah. certainly, uh, as I'm sure you uh, uh, know, having, uh, t- you know, taken calls and talked about this for two straight days. But um, uh, are you concerned with Baker at the, at this point, Andy, where are you at with him? Are you concerned with his future of with the Browns? Yeah, I don't know how you couldn't be a little concerned right now. Look, I mean, they brought the guy in, number one overall draft pick. And, you know, what we saw in that first season was pretty spectacular and pretty amazing for a rookie. And last year, I think, you know, as many people have said before, the book was out on him and they figured out the book. That on top of the fact that I think Baker was getting mixed signals from offensive coordinator and head coach. And, you know, the next thing leads to chaos. And that's what we saw the final weeks of the season last year. Then you bring in. Kevin Stefanski this year, and it's a whole new game. And you you think that you're going to see something that is settled down. Even at the worst, you would see Baker Mayfield as a game manager, and I don't think we even saw that on Sunday. I'm just not quite sure, and I'm not a thousand percent sold yet that it's not his ability not uh, his ability to be able to do it. I think we've seen it, and to be successful and to be able to help this team win football games is there. We know it's there. My question is, is how good are the Ravens? And we're about to find out on Thursday night to see what the Browns look like against Cincinnati. And, and you know, we're talking a lot about Baker Mayfield, but let's face it, the Browns were pathetic on all three sides of the ball, whether it was offense, defense, or special teams. That's why they lost. It was, you know, 35% the offense and, you know, or maybe even 40% the offense and, and the rest on, on defense and special teams. Yeah, no, certainly it was. It wasn't good on any of the fronts. I think the issue is just with with Baker. I I think he lo- he looked lost and he looked out of rhythm, right? And I and I'm not concerned about that as much as I am to see the continued inaccuracy where that was like it's supposed to be his, you know, that that was the thing that he he hung his hat on, right? Was the accuracy yeah, coming out of college and his ball placement is just poor and. and you see, you know, Beckham open a couple times and guys open and he just even by a foot or so, that's a huge difference in the NFL. I mean, he's behind receivers. He's given them time to, uh, re, you know, cornerbacks time to recover to routes and things like that because he's not putting the ball where it's supposed to be. And that's what we saw last year. And that's where I guess my major concern is, Andy. Yeah, I think I'm concerned too. But then, you know, in the back of your head, you're trying to make excuses, or at least I am, and trying to figure it out and saying, well, is that what the Browns would have looked like in their first preseason game of the year? If that's what the Browns would have looked like in their first scrimmage of the year, what would they have looked like, you know, on the first live hitting of the year? So, <coughs> excuse me, I am willing to cut him a little bit of slack. But again, he's a professional football player, and you've got to be able to have expectations for a guy who's in his third season. And, you know, going into that second season, he, he, you know, he had said, I, I just underestimated what I was going to be able to, or I, I underestimated the rest of the league and the rest of the league figured him out. And, you know, Baltimore might just have his number and maybe they were off, maybe the rhythm of the game because there were real, there weren't any fans in the stadium. There's a million excuses and Browns fans don't want to hear any of them. They all could be legit, 
but we'll see what they do against Cincinnati. And by the way, the last time they played Cincinnati last year, it wasn't very good. No. So this team is no. going to have to figure out something and some way to win here on Thursday night. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, you know, I preach to that, you know, or not preach, but I, I've been kind of banging the table, Andy, that patience with Baker. Like a lot of people are like, oh, this is a make or break year for him. I, I you know, I'm I want to be patient with him because I think he hasn't been dealt a very good hand, certainly in Cleveland. Uh, with the amount of coaches and the coaches, as in Freddie Kitchens, Hugh Jackson, that weren't great for a quarterback, in my opinion. Now, um, at the same time, though, that's where it comes back to that accuracy thing, I guess, is that that is something that concerns me more than, I guess, his development uh, cerebrally. You know what I mean? So Yeah, I, I mean, I look at it this way, and I brought this up yesterday. Okay, ask yourself this. How do you think the offensive line looked on Sunday? Just ask yourself and answer that. How do you think the offensive line looked on on Sunday? I mean, they were okay, I guess. I mean, okay, I'll take okay. I'll take yeah. okay. I have no problem with that. I'll say they looked okay too. But you also have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who they underutilized, and they hit the panic button maybe a little bit too early away from the running game, oh, and that was a problem that we saw last year. So you've yeah. got two. Very, very good running backs. And I'm going to sell them short by calling them very, very good. I think they're better than that. Yeah, Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. is consistently – this is this is an issue between Baker and Odell. Why isn't this working? And I think that's a question that we're all asking. But I think on paper, between Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., that we have two of the stronger wide receivers in the NFL. Again, I'll say stronger. At times, they probably could be the best. At times, maybe mediocre the way Odell played last year. But he was hurt, and I'll give him that. You went out and signed the most expensive tight end in the NFL at the time in Austin Hooper. So now all the tools are there. This offense is set up to succeed. Even if you just think the offensive line is good, isn't this group of players better than just six points? That's my question. Yeah, Yeah, they are. And so why, why is that not happening? Could it be the Ravens and their defense? Yeah, but I still think they could have done better than six points. It's interesting. It's interesting to look at it that way, no question. Um, I'm sure you heard some of this today, too, Andy, about uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, a lot of Browns fans ready to run him out of town, I guess, maybe uh, just infuriated. And I guess the anger comes from, I guess, maybe the body language uh, so early. I mean, game one, right? The body language, uh, the opposing... um, you know, the Ravens being able to, I guess, like razz him, you know, get him in his head to the point where I guess he took himself out of the game a couple times. It looked like uh, he, and he and he was just, you know, the drop. I, it's understandable. It's one drop right in week one it, yeah. in the scope of things. But it was a big drop in, in the game and and in the end result of the game. Where are you at with, with OBJ? Are you like uh you know, when Baker gets there, OBJ will be there, or is this like a just going to be a problem continually? I, the guy makes fourteen million dollars a year, right? Right. I mean, he should be able to catch footballs. No I'll question. give you one. You're right. It's the first week of the season. I'll give you one. His job is to catch footballs. His job is to help a team win a football game. That's what it is. He has made a lot more money though, being able to market himself, and that's true too. But if, you're, if you can't do the core fundamental that got you into a position to be able to market yourself, then you got problems. 
He just needs to scale back. Forget about what color your hair is going to be this week. Stop putting on a show on the sidelines. I understand you're an alpha dog and you're frustrated, but so is everybody else watching you. And when you get paid $14 million a year this year, you can't just play football. That's what irritates Browns fans. We all know it. I mean, it's a blue-collar town. Yeah. You're making a lot of money to play a game. Go out there, do your best, and try hard. That's all anyone from Cleveland will ever ask of you. If you're trying hard and you're going the extra mile and you're trying to catch balls that might be a little bit out of your reach. David Njoku had a catch. I mean, Njoku's catch last week over the defender was what every Browns fan wants to see. It's yep. it's what makes Browns fans walk into this week and say, man, Njoku really can't play, and I can forget about the fact that he said he wanted to get traded in the offseason. You'll forget about it if you work hard and play hard. That's just it. Jarvis Landry works hard, plays hard every play, doesn't draw attention to himself. And Odell knows this, and he talked about it today, where he just said, everybody's watching me. Well, if you know everybody's watching you, don't have a tantrum and be able to blow off the guys that are smack-talking you. That's all we're asking for. Yeah. I I couldn't have said it better myself, uh, Andy. That was uh, perfect. And I'm pretty – yes, that's the frustration. You're right. You got to the core of it right there. And uh, I understand – like, I'm frustrated too. You're right. Like, we're frustrated too watching him. And I'm frustrated because I want – part of it is, Andy, for me, it's like I want him to do so well – so badly for the Browns. Like, just, like, you know, so that they could have that nice thing do well and work out. And I want it so badly for the Browns. It's almost like, you know, Brown fans are forcing it and, and Baker's forcing it. It's like everybody's trying to force this thing to work. Uh, it's just a point of frustration, surely. Over. I just remember when he, when he first came over and you just saw, you know, the name Beckham Jr. on the back of a jersey playing for the Browns. It's pretty awesome. You know, it's, yeah. it's Lindor. Like it's, you know, it's all the, the, the it's, Le, it, you know, it's not LeBron, but it's, as, it's about as close as you're going to get on the, yeah. excuse me, on the Browns. So, you know, I'm still pumped. I'm still rooting for him. And I want him to, to hold true to what he said today, that he just wants to win, that maybe people misunderstand him. I'm down with it, man. Just go out there and play the best football you can. We know you're healthier than you were last year. And we're rooting for you. And by the way, Cleveland isn't the rest of the country. Cleveland's willing to to put aside any bad thing they may have ever said about you in New York and accept you as our own, especially if you're going out there and trying. If you're working hard and you're playing hard, we will accept you and we'll love you here in this town. Yeah, it's fair. I think all of the criticisms are fair. At the same time, I would point out, though, he's not getting – very good balls thrown to him, and and he's getting missed when he's open a lot too. So I understand some of the frustration, but he just sure. can't show it like that. Show. Yeah, and I don't have. I really don't have a. It's one of those things, you know. You want him to think it, but you just don't want to see it, and yep. you wouldn't care if he went back in the locker room and threw his helmet through a wall if exactly. the passes are that bad. Yeah, I agree. Um, the defense got gashed. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with special guest tonight, Andy Baskin. Andy Baskin uh, of Baskin and Phelps at 92.3, the fan. Andy, uh, a legendary sports uh, talk figure here in Cleveland. Um, Legend of my kids. That's about it. <laughs> no, that's, that's not true at all. Um, Andy, uh, the defense, Joe Woods' defense, and, and I haven't really gotten a chance because they haven't released it yet for some reason to really look at the defense um, from like the coach's taper and all 22 point of view, but, and to see what they were really in, 
But they got they got gashed in the past game, and Lamar Jackson was fantastic. So once again, it's kind of we won't really know until they play another opponent, which is a lot of this, right? But right. Uh, Anderson Deho was awful. Um, he got thrown off that block on the punt to to add insult to injury as far as being terrible in coverage. And I don't understand how they can run Tavier Thomas out there in coverage. I mean, he's a special teams player. That's probably the first game he's ever played on defense. Not real sure about the decision-making there with some of that uh, personnel-wise. Where was MJ Stewart? Was he just not ready to go? I'm not really sure about any of that. Uh, what did you think of the de- – would you think the defense will look better against the, the Bengals, or is this going to be a problem all year? I, I, here's what I know. I know the Browns defense has four guys that can play. Garrett front, Richardson, Ogunjobi, and Vernon, and, and, and Denzel Ward. Yeah. Um, you're hurting. You've got injuries. I don't know who's coming back this week. You can't have some of the – like the face-masking calls were on the special team stuff, and I shouldn't bring in defense on this, but, I mean, that's just stuff that just drove me nuts watching the game. And I just really? don't think – I just think uh, it's just such an unknown – I, like I, I don't know how you can feel good about Taki Taki or Goodson or or Jacob Phillips, and we don't even know how he, if he's okay. Um, yeah. You know, Zendejo I, again. That's really the first time I've I've ever really watched him for a full game. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what this defense is. I know they didn't put enough resources into it the way compared to the offense coming into this uh, coming into the season. So I think you can believe in the front four against you know maybe a team like Balt uh, a team like. Uh, Cincinnati, which I hope we will be able to do. And maybe these guys just need a little bit more time. Uh, you know, they're all veterans, you know, with the exception of Phillips, they're all veterans. Mm. So I, I just, it's, it's perplexing how you can, you know, pin a team back and make them go 99 yards and let them score. And that, that's, what's crazy to me. It's just like, you know, you got to go in 99 yards and not only are you get have a chance to really turn the tide on the game early, but now you're going to play the possession game left and right. Even if you don't score, they're going to be pinned deep. And then to fail at the end of the half, man, that's just a page out of last year's playbook. Yeah. And Browns fans don't want to see it. Yeah, I mean, you got to be prepared. You you can't let a you can't let a team walk down the field in 35 seconds. No, you just can't. Was, it was crazy. And um, you know, to, to be honest, did Lamar surprise you with the the immaculate? accuracy that he passed with um he played like a guy that had a little bit of a chip on the shoulder from last year um that knows he knows how to play and if i were him i'd have a chip on my shoulder for every team in the nfl that passed on him yeah. right I, how could you not he looked yeah. great in the beginning i mean the accuracy was was pretty spectacular um and he was able to move the ball around and get it to different guys and there's a reason why other teams like him so much. I'm still worried about him though. Sometimes when he runs the ball down the field yeah. and he stands straight up, yep. man, I just think he's one bad play away from an injury every time, but you know what? Mm. He's playing great. I love watching him play. makes him a lot of fun. I just wonder sometimes about when he's running the ball, um, if he's going to get crushed one of these times. Yeah. Uh, I, I certainly, that's, that's about the only, I mean, too. yeah. Yeah. I mean, and J.K. Dobbins looks like he's going to be the rookie of the year after the first game, right? Yeah, seriously. That'll make Ohio State fans happy. Yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, I mean, these uh, 
<laughs> that's the question about the Ravens. So, and I'll, I'll save this question for last, but uh, about the, how good the Ravens are. And, and you made a really good point earlier, and it continues to come up, is we just don't know until they play another opponent. Now, did you watch any of the Bengals game? You know, I missed it because I was coaching hockey. So I, I, I went back and watched some of it, little highlights here and there, and, yeah. you know, what happened at the end of the game. So Yeah, certainly uh, Joe Burrow looked looked pretty good. Um, yeah. I don't think that, in my personal opinion, Andy, I don't think this game is the layup that we once probably thought it was. I, I think this will be a tough game on Thursday night against the Bengals. I mean, they, they have weapons on that offense for sure. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see how things shake out, certainly there. Uh, would you have uh, gotten rid of Austin Seibert so quickly as the Browns did? Let's see what happens this week. Here's another one of those let's see what happens this week. It's like I was. we were talking about on the show today. Uh, what happens if he comes out and kicks a game-winning field goal? Against oh, my. Uh, this town's going to go crazy. Yeah. This town will go crazy if he comes back four days later after blowing four points in the, in the Ravens game and then comes out and kicks a game-winning field goal against the Browns. Talk about motivation. Yeah, I, and I, Tony Grossi asked a good question today. He, you know, he knew the Bengals needed a kicker. The Browns knew the Bengals needed a kicker. Why did they give up on him so fast yeah. to do that? Or why not wait till the end of the week and see if they pick up another kicker? Because, you know, this could be one that comes back to haunt the Browns. It's yeah. just, it, it, it just, it's written. You know, it's like, it, it, it's like a movie, isn't it? If yes. he comes back and beats the Browns this week, the Browns just set themselves up for misery if that happens. I hope it doesn't happen, though. No, I, I hope I hope so too. But you're absolutely right, and it was a good question uh, from Tony because he asked, you know, why why not if they need a kicker, why not just wait till later in the week? Because what you did is you opened the door for like the Browns thing of all Browns things to happen is have the kicker that's right that you cut is that crazy come back and beat you're, you yeah you're right uh, Cody Parkey uh, doink doink uh, guy right known for the doink yep. doink miss with the uh, Bears after right. playing a four year deal former Browns kicker. Um, it will be the kicker for the uh, Browns. He's been pretty good, though, for the most part, right? I mean, yeah, it's like these guys come here, like um, Zane Gonzalez, another one of those guys where yeah. they come here, they're miserable, and then they turn their careers around somewhere else. It's just the life of a kicker. You know, they're just so expendable, and their guy, I mean, they don't even, you know, they're off in their own little world during practice, and all they do is kick all day. So, you know, it's just... I, I don't know. They're just—they're yeah. the most expendable people. I think the biggest thing the Browns uh, should have learned this week is don't ever draft another kicker. It's not yeah, worth it. I agree completely. I agree completely. Not not worth it. Think about what could have been done with that fifth round pick. Heck, you could have taken a linebacker there, and who knows what he'd be at this point. That's um, a good point. Uh, so we talked about Joe Burrow. All right. So here's here I got uh, this final uh, big question here for you today before I kind of ask about Thursday night, but. It, so if you had to, you know, gun to head today, Andy, if somebody asked you who was the best team in the NFL, would you t- would you say the Chiefs or the Ravens? I don't, how do you go against Kansas City right now? I mean, they won. You know, even when they didn't look good in the beginning of the game the other night, they still look good by the end of the game. I, Pat Mahomes is just something special, and that I mean, yes. they just that team is just clicking. I don't know. I would take Kansas City over the Ravens if that was the game, and that game happened tonight. So Yeah, I get that. And I think that probably 90% of the people were, would. I just think that we may have seen – I think we might have started to see something really, really special from Lamar this year. I mean, if he's going to throw the ball like that all year, 
um, then he's going to be MVP again, in my opinion. I mean, I just don't know um, what he can the, do. With the the hard part. And throw in yeah, but the, yeah. the hard part for him is he doesn't play the Browns 17 weeks in a row. That's so fair. there will be DBs that are going to be able to stop him. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Sorry to burst the bubble on that one. Yeah, yeah. All right, so um, seven Browns are seven point five point favorites right now against the Bengals. Does that seem a little big to you? Uh, no, it's just it's a touchdown. You know, you, you expect them and, to and win Thursday night. <clears throat> Can I tell you at the end of the first quarter? No, I, I <laughs> they should win, but they're going to have to stop AJ Green, right? right. They're going to have to stop Joe Mixon. The D, I, like I think our offense will be okay. Okay, I think our offense is going to be much improved going into this game because I think they're going to try to slow things down, um, and I think they're going to run the ball. And I think they also learned against the Ravens that if you keep passing the ball, the clock doesn't keep moving. And Kevin Stefanski knows it. I mean, they they practice this all the time. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I do think that once you have to sit in the big chair and make the calls and think you need to get back and you need to get back big time, that clock just man. It's killer. It's killer when you're passing it like the way they are. Even if you're down 18 points, if you got two of the best running backs in the league, keep running the ball. Just if you're worried about it, if you if you think you don't have the time, then then go into a hurry up. But just keep running the ball. The Browns are too good of a running team to not run the ball and and uh, give up on the run the way they did the other night. I, I'm not saying they would have won. I'm not saying they would have come back. But I'll tell you what, the defense would have been a little bit fresher later in the game. Um, if they would have just, you know, run the ball and run some more of that clock off. I don't know. I'm not trying to have a loser's mentality about it, but it's just, you know, if you run the ball, I just think good things happen. You can dominate the game. You can take care of ball control. You can, you know, if you're effectively able to run the ball, you're keeping your defense off the field. There's just so many good things that can happen. Is it spectacular? Is it fun? Is it flashy? No, but it's the way you win games, especially when we have the tight ends that we do. I'm telling you, just give these guys the ball. Let the running backs go. That's the thing, right? So I had this this picture in my mind, Andy, of what Stefanski's offense was going to look like, right? Run, 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 play action, schemed up, wide open, tight end, right? Run, run, shot play, run, run, tight end, you know, something in the flat. like Screen. Yes, yeah, anything. Exactly. And, and there was – they abandoned that completely. There was more panic than I thought I would see from Stefanski. Uh, the the fake punt, the you know uh, they didn't. I thought they should go for it on fourth and two down there before the half, even the, the missed field goal. But even before they kicked the field goal, I was kind of screaming for him to go for it. Just run the ball on four, third and two. Run the ball. I mean, even though Odell should have caught that. I mean. Run the ball. Like, this is the bread and butter, right? You're gashing them down the field in the run game. And third and two, you're going to throw the ball? I don't get that. And and I just thought we would see more stuff schemed up for wide-open looks in the play-action game. And, it, and they abandoned on the run too fast. Now, it's the guy's first game as a head coach. And certainly that score in that clock dictates that abandonment of what you – what the offense looked like, but it didn't look like what I envisioned it to look like. Their offense. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think. Jim Ingram had a good story in uh, brownzone.com. Um, and, you know, it was just talking about how the honeymoon was over for Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. If this team loses this week the same way, or if they get beat by uh, Austin Seibert 
field goal at the end of the game, okay. you're going to go from honeymoon to funeral in less than 10 days. No question. That's what it's going to feel like. I mean, yeah, there'll be plenty of time, but people, you know, you, now you're sitting 0 2, you're 0 2 against the division, and you're like, I can't believe that the season feels like it's over with. That's how Browns fans are going to feel if they can't. I'm not, look, they could be 0 2 as long as they play, they just have to play a good game. Yeah. There's 14 games left after this, right? Yeah. Just play a good game this week, even if you lose, even if this becomes, you know, Joe Burrow's coming out party and the whole world is like, oh my God, Joe Burrow's the greatest quarterback to ever be in. Okay. If that happens, that happens. As long as you play hard and you make it a close game. Yeah. But to get blown out again is the last thing. It's going to be bad. Yeah, it can't look awful. It can't look choppy. It can't look like it did. Even if you lose, you got to look right on offense, especially on offense, I think. Um, You know, I I said before the season, I I just I'd be happy with a two and two start this year, no matter how you get there. So I still feel that way. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm with Andy, you. I'm with you. Andy, you have been uh, great and gracious to allow me the time to ask you about this uh, debacle and uh, and about Thursday night. But um, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, and hope maybe we can do it again sometime here. Yeah, let's break down a win next time. How's that sound? That sounds great. It'll be it'll be a lot more fun. Uh, we're gonna send you a Andy. We're gonna send you an All Eyes on Cleveland T-shirt for coming Woo-hoo! on the show. Sweet. Uh, so I'll get your address in uh, T-shirt off the air, but uh, or T-shirt address in T-shirt size off the air. Uh, Extra but, small. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hardly. Hardly. Uh, thank you so much, though, Andy. I appreciate it. And uh, big fan. And thank you so much for your time. Well, take care. Thanks for talking Cleveland sports. Love it. saw my truly adorable niece wearing her all eyes on Cleveland onesie. Posted that on Twitter. Amelia. Amelia Ward. Go ahead and kill that Mikey. Good stuff from Andy there, but boy, does that scenario that he brought up scare me. Let let let's let's talk kickers for a moment, shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, we're gonna talk kickers. It's true. <laughs> oh man! So, um, 
Austin Seibert was a fifth-round pick by John Dorsey, and I, I like John Dorsey a lot. I thought he did a pretty good job putting talent on this roster. He certainly made some mistakes here and there, and certainly Freddie Kitchens will be his downfall, and we know that, and no reason to rehash that, but Austin Seibert was a fifth-round pick. That is wildly swinging and missing in the fifth round on a kicker that now is cut. Now we cut him, and the Bengals picked him up, and... Andy made some good points about this as it's laid the foundation for the Brown stories of all Brown stories. If Cyber goes out there and freaking wins the game on a field goal, I mean, what are you, you going to do? That's the most Brown thing of all Brown things. That cannot happen. Like, I'm hoping to preemptively speak that out of existence right now. I'm just, just no way. Just, but Cybert's gone, and bring him back into town. Good old Cody freaking Parky. Oh man. Yep, it's true. So he's he is the Browns kicker. Uh, as we head into Thursday night football, let's take a look at what Cody Parky has done um, in his career uh, as a kicker. So well. He was with the Browns in 2016 after Patrick Murray got injured, if you recall. Um, In 17, he played for the Miami Dolphins. Um, Won, uh, let's see, what's it say? He won AFC Special Teams Player of the Week after scoring 13 of the Dolphins' 19 points, including a 50-yard game winner. That year, in week two. The Bears signed him to a four-year deal. And the Bears would go on to play, if you recall, it's very infamous, uh, the uh, play in the 2018-19 NFC wildcard game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Parkey lines up for the win. And the old double doink off the uprights, if you recall. The double doink, and they lost. Yep. Uh, after Parky missed the unfortunate double doink off the off the uh, crossbar twice and out. Later called a block kick because somebody got a finger on it or something like that. So... Parkey is back in town. He was on the practice squad. He is elevated to be the Browns kicker. That's all I can stand to really talk about kickers. The scenario from that Andy laid out of Seibert potentially hitting a game winner against Browns is so Browns, and it, it, it nauseates me just to think about. So just that cannot happen. So let's look real quickly. The other thing I wanted to do here. Uh, is that Austin Seibert was a fifth-round pick. And I want to look at who could have been taken, as I mentioned this in the interview as well. Wouldn't it have been nice if the Browns took a... <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Pardon me. Goodness. Uh, wouldn't it have been nice if the Browns would have taken a uh, 
player, a defensive back or a, a linebacker maybe in the fifth round that year, and you'd have a fifth round uh, linebacker with some experience at this point. Just to delay this out, fifth round that year, Austin Seibert was taken uh, 170th in the draft. It was a pick we had from New England. Um, he was the kicker at Oklahoma. The next pick, 171, a compensatory pick given to New York, the New York Giant, football Giants. They took Darius Slayton, huh, from Auburn. How about Darius Slayton with the big game last night? Uh, two touchdowns, I believe, for the Giants. Wow. We took a guy who missed two field goals. They took a guy one pick later that caught two touchdowns in the same week, one uh, year later. Interesting. couple more picks down. You go to 173, and this is just an example, okay? Uh, the next, I'm just picking the next random linebacker after Seibert was picked in the fifth round. So this is actually the very last pick of the fifth round. Cole Holcomb. I don't know who Cole Holcomb is, but if we look here, we see that he was taken by the Washington uh, football team. And the Washington football team, uh, last year as a rookie, he started 15 games. 74 solo tackles, 31 assisted, 105 tackles, and a sack as a rookie. Wow. So, just just to be clear, we could have, not saying, no, now, don't, don't get this twisted. I don't want to get people coming at me on Twitter Telling, giving me like PFF grades on Cole Holcomb, telling me what a, sl- a scrubby is. I'm not claiming for him to be that he's a good player or, or anything like that. I don't know anything about him. I'm just saying, here's a guy that was taken three picks after Cyber that plays linebacker and has 15 starts under his belt, 104 tackles in a sack going into his second year. That would be why you don't draft kickers, especially in the fifth round. I watched a video from Dan Orlovsky today. Uh, this will be the last last thing here today, and, and we'll get, get you out of here. Um, Dan Orlovsky watching Baker Mayfield tape. Dan Orlovsky's great, by the way. Um, and he's, he's showing one play where Baker rolls out on a boot and it was the play that he made look awkward because he was ro- rolling to his, let's see, his left. So he kind of had he had to turn his body and set. And as he turned his body and set, um, there's two guys wide open about five yards down the field. And, and Orlovsky points this out. He says it's there. It's there. He's looking right at him, and it's there. Two guys are wide open. He could pick which one he wants to throw to. But he doesn't. Instead, he rolls back to the middle of the field and then ends up throwing the ball away. And Orlovsky points out, it's there. And he says it was there all game. So there were open receivers all game. But he does not have confidence in what his eyes are telling him. So he's seeing it, but he doesn't trust it, even though he sees it. And he talks about a coach he had that said, see it, trust it, rip it. And what Baker is doing 
is seeing it, doubting it, and holding it. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of what I was rambling on in the first half hour of the show is pretty much summed up right there in <laughs> what Dan Wolofsky said. But uh, that that's kind of what I was trying to get across, um, and he gets across very much more eloquently. But you see where we're going with this. And he says that, he went on to say, that I thought this was interesting, it's the same as Cousins last year, that actually Cousins was doing much of the same last year early in the season, struggling in this offense and struggling to actually let the ball go in situations like this. Why the two are the same, I don't know. I mean, I, I get that there's the same offense, but you know, there's a difference between when a guy's open, a guy's open, you throw him the ball, right? And he's saying, Orlovsky said he needs to get his stinger back so like his ability to strike when he sees it he's just got to trust it and uh i think that's great fantastic stuff from orlovsky and and it makes a lot of sense and it makes a lot of sense of what we saw on sunday certainly um still doesn't explain the inaccuracy though but it may it may it could be that hesitation. It could be some of that could be part of the inaccuracy. It could play into that. Certainly. Defensively, make this point here. They've got to get Ronnie Harrison on the field. You went out and traded for this guy. Um, he's a better athlete. He can cover. He needs to be on the field on Thursday night. I would like to see his debut be Thursday night. He's had enough time. You can't... I don't know what they're going to do with Sandejo, but if that is any indication of what he can do as a player, he's going to get torched all year, and I just need to see... I would like to see Ronnie Harrison out there instead of him. I really don't know in the past game why everyone was so wide open um, to be determined on that. So, And Joe Burrow has weapons. Boyd, A.J. Green. I don't know if T. Higgins is healthy or not, but they've got wide receivers. They've got Joe Mixon. Um, they, the Browns need to put together a much better defensive effort in special teams. Shit, I mean, all three phases of the game, like Andy said, were just piss poor. The special teams was awful. Just awful. I mean, they almost ran back a kick. Um, the defense was bad. The offense was bad. All three phases of the game. Final point. I promise. I'm not lying to you this time. Uh, final point. <laughs> but, um, oh, man! The final point I'd like to make is that Brandon Tierney, I think he's CBS Radio, I'm going to say. I, I was in my car today driving, and he started talking about the Giants, the New York football Giants, in the game last night against the Steelers. And I don't know if I mentioned earlier, I think I did, I mentioned earlier that about 
how I'm not something to watch with ben, Big Ben and the elbow. And, then, you know, at one point I had even questioned if he was going to go back in the game. It looked like Mason Rudolph was getting ready, but he went back in the game anyways. But this was about the Giants, and he was talking about the New York football Giants, and he said, boy, you know, despite a loss, for the first time, he said, in a half decade, they looked prepared, they looked organized, and it kept them competitive in a game till the end. And I went, God damn. That's what I expected from Stefanski. Despite anything else, Baker being bad, the defense getting gashed, I expected to see an organized effort to try to win the game. And I I didn't see it. He built on the game plan early. The defense never had Lamar under control. Special teams was putrid. There was bad penalties. It was much of the same. Now, obviously, first-time head coach. That can snowball on you quick, all this stuff. But they were saying, you know, giving credit to Joe Judge, saying, you know, Giants looked correct. Played a clean game. They looked good. They, you know... Saquon was pretty much bottled up the whole game. Danny Dimes, you know, kept him in it, and they played. I know exactly what he's talking about because I watched the game. They played a competitive game just by being organized and not self-inflicting wounds and not, you know, turning the ball over in inopportune times and playing the field position game and, and, you know, trying to take advantage of this and that. And he had a very bad turnover as they drove down the field. Uh, they were looked like they were going to score and make it close. And he, uh, Daniel Jones threw a bad interception down there at the end of the game. But up until that point, they were very much in it and against a superior team. And it was because of the coaching, the organization, the game plan, the attack. And that's what I expect from Stefanski. That's what I thought we would be getting, and we didn't get that. And that's frustrating. That's really frustrating. It doesn't mean he's a bad coach. It doesn't mean anything. But to hear, you know, Brandon Tierney, he was talking about that. He, he, he was able to say, despite their loss, here's the positive. They look like they have a coach who has them under control, and they're doing the right things and this and that for the first time in some time. That's what I – Despite a loss in week one, I wanted to be able to come away from week one and say, we look like a football team that was organized and together and prepared. Not so much. So, Thursday night football, um, Battle of Ohio, we'll we'll have it going. Uh, It's uh, 6,000 fans in First Energy Stadium. That's kind of exciting, I guess, uh, considering there was nobody there, and that was super weird uh, at the uh, game in Baltimore. But uh, I expect better, but really, 
I mean, these Thursday night turnarounds, you think about it, they, and Stefanski said it, and it didn't really hit me until he said it, but that's like one, they really only have like one work day. I mean, ultimately, today is their only work day of the week. Because tomorrow, you know, is the day before the game, and Monday is Monday, uh, and then it's all week. So weird, weird turnaround here. It's good for some reasons because they got to get that uh, bad taste out of your mouth. You got to do it. So let's hope that they can turn around and get this game plan in place. And, and they do look like that organized team that doesn't commit self-inflicting wounds brutally to yourself. And plays the end of quarters out properly. Not letting teams go down the field in 60 seconds and score on you. Not letting teams go 99 yards and slice you, dice you up down the field. Uh, scheming up some easy plays for your quarterback that's having a tough time right now. Sticking to the run game. Striking on play action when it's available. These are things I want to see. Less penalties, less just nonsense. Let's look like a put together football team with a game plan. Organized. Structure. These are things the Browns need to be about right now. Gotta see it Thursday night. Hope you enjoyed the show. Andy Baskin was fantastic. Mikey, you are a gem as always. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Go check out the website, alleyesoncleveland.com. Feel free to leave us a ranking, good, bad, ugly. If you don't like what I'm doing, go ahead and tell me. If you like it, even better. Appreciate your time. Go check out the website. It's pretty cool. And feel free to leave a voicemail anytime I'll play it on the air. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. We are out.
Alright. <laughs> Greedy. Yes, sir. so much, I so much, uh...